I've learned more from my failures than I've ever learned from my successes. And so, and I try to drill that, that concept and idea, convey that to the team because a lot of people are afraid to make mistakes. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. Before I introduce this week's guest, please support the show by leaving a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So I'm sitting here at Nate this afternoon with my guest, Alan Day, president of Total Land and also the vice president and chief information officer at Finstermaker. That's correct. You got the name almost perfect. Almost. Finstermaker. <laughs> Finstermaker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how are you enjoying Nate? Ah, you know, it's great. It's just, uh, it's exciting to be here because uh, this year, because it's, it's, it's a sense of energy of uh, a market that's coming back, you know? So if you've been here for the last two years, you would uh, you'd see the stark difference, you know, between uh, the different napes, uh, and this one's just so much better. It's almost claustrophobic you know, out there on the floor. Uh, you know, you're walking around, you're bumping into people, but it's fantastic to have that kind of activity at nape again. It's been so long, you know, so it's it's, it's exciting to be here. Yeah, and the morale's been great. It's been awesome. So, of course, Total Ann is uh, our sponsor for Nape. You're one of our favorite sponsors because I know all of y'all very well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you have just been to, wonderful. We're happy to be here. Great. Before we go deeper into your current role, could you please tell our audience of how you got started in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, so that uh, really began in the 80s. Now, the 80s was also a time that was um, a tough time, you know, in Mm -hmm. the 80s. I don't know if those have been around long enough to remember that. But uh, in Lafayette, uh, I actually owned a software company at the time in uh, in the 80s uh, in Florida. And uh, I had connected with a a local company in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, my background is I'm a programmer. Mm-hmm. And so before that, my education is actually in uh, engineering. And so my background educationally is uh, in civil engineering. But I realized after school, when the PC first came out and I got my first PC, that I really wanted to be a programmer. And so that led me down a path of opportunities that uh, came up uh, and uh, over the years to develop those, those early years when the PC came out to where I left the engineering profession and actually started a software company in West Palm Beach, Florida called Summit Software. And I had connected with uh, Finstermaker, Bill Finstermaker, and, and uh, we got together in Miami, and he told me some needs that he had and also some oil companies in, uh, in Lafayette that had specific needs to, uh, to have some programs written. And so that began a process of um, me developing software for a number of the, uh, the bigger oil companies uh, at the time. Well, that's really cool. You have a couple of patents too, don't you? I do. Yeah, we've got a couple on visualization. So one of the, my passions is really trying to take complex information and present it in a way that's uh, easy to understand. And so one of the challenges we had in business and really all businesses is to take uh, financial data and be able to uh, look at that data in a very concise and quick way. And so I created a, something we call a blink chart, which is a way to take, in the first version of it, take uh, accounts receivable, which every business has in some fashion, and to be able to take the depths of that, the content of all of that, and to be able to instantly recognize which ones are the most important out of all the data that you have in accounts receivable, which ones are the best and most important to go after. Right. And so uh, we were able to patent that and two uh, other patents, uh, three total, that 
are derivatives of that idea and that concept. So visualization has always been a passion of mine. But uh, my oil and gas journey really began uh, in the late 80s. And a few years went by. I actually went to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska to take uh, take on a role. I sold my company in West Palm Beach and uh, took a role to develop software for the medical field. And so what I enjoy about software and what I love about our product, Total Land, is that uh, we solve problems. Yeah. And so, you know, what I do really, if, if you ask me, I'm a programmer, but what I love to do is to solve problems. And so all along my particular path and my career, I would say that um, uh, I really just solve problems, you know, and I look I look for problems to solve. And so uh, through experience and through time, you learn how to do that better and better. You know? Yeah, and I think most people are problem solvers. And it's, I think yeah. it's part of our makeup. It's kind of a natural thing for most people. Yeah. 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 And what are some other challenges you faced during that time besides the the data problem? Yeah, the, right. A lot of data problems. Yeah, know? a lot of data problems. Well, you know, uh, I think the challenges we have over the years has been uh, the accumulation of data and how to manage that. So, and, and it's a if you look at the chart on that and you see the growth of data and digital storage as the price of uh, hard drives and disk storage has gone down, the amount of data we collect goes up. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that people suffer with today is, is an increasing amount of data that comes at them and their businesses. And, um, you know, really Total Land is one of those companies that, uh, that I run that uh, is able to take that complex and volume of data and be able to take and pull it into meaningful information to, again, solve problems. But uh, so the challenges really are data are, are significant. They're going to increase over time, you know, of how to manage the massive amounts of data. You know, other challenges that I faced uh, in my, my early career, I think, is technology, you know, was really one that was uh, in the early days of the PC. It's a real rudimentary device. Right. Today it looks like a, you know, like a Model T Ford, you know, car, but it's. uh, And about the same size as one, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's huge, right? right? (laughs) And, uh, you know, those early PCs, you know, you had a 10 megabyte hard drive. It was, it was like you'll never fill it up, you know? Yeah. And of course that, you know, is nothing, but. Uh, the challenges really were the technology of trying to do more. Uh, the computer wasn't capable of really doing what you wanted it to do as a, a developer. So you're all, we were always pushing the edge of right. trying to do more and more with the software. I wrote the first PC-based GIS platform uh, called Meridian. Oh, in, yeah. In 1990. And um, it was the first one to run on a PC and uh, be able to actually run as well as a mainframe version at the time, right? So, you know, technology evolves, and uh, so it's evolved now to the point where we're actually not using the capabilities that the PC really has as much as we uh, we probably could. You know, most people use it for word processing, and they do basic things. with it. It's much more capable today and much more powerful. The amount of processing power on one uh, one PC today is, is um, you know, uh, 50 or 100 of what it used to be. You know? Well, not only that, but, I mean, we are basically carrying small computers in our hands <laughs> right. most of the time, right? Right, that's right. And, and uh, the power of that, when you think about it in context of even when we send people to the moon, uh, we sent someone to the moon. You know, we have more computing power in our hand today than they had on that platform that went up into the into space. You know? It's so crazy to think about. Isn't it though? But it's an exciting time also because of that, because the technology is just so rapidly advancing. And so we you know, always try to stay on the edge, you know, of technologies. And uh, I think quantum computing is uh, an area that I find very fascinating. I do too. You know, right now. And I think, uh, well, you know, the generations to come will have a whole different context of computing and what that really means in their life. And also, you know, what they're doing, uh, the value that that adds to them. And so technology can be a very positive thing. And it can be negative too. Mm-hmm. You know? But uh, I think when you look at it, what it really can do to help your life it's amazing. I mean, just think about your car, you know, driving uh, in your car. Can you imagine not driving with a GPS today? 
You don't, you well, know. I delivered pizza for four years, so um, <laughs> I, I kind of understand. But yeah, I mean, you remember paper maps? You know, yeah, maybe, maybe not, yeah, you know? yeah. And so that's how we used to do it. But today, it's hard to imagine not having GPS and having that instant access to where I am and where I'm going. Yeah, it's it's strange. So, so you s- sold your business in Florida, and then you went over to Nebraska mm-hmm. and. And develop software for the medical field. And, and, you know, as a software developer, I like uh, different markets and different challenges. That that was a unique challenge where I was writing next-generation product for uh, the medical, dental, and chiropractic fields. And uh, we achieved that. We developed a product and they ended up selling it to uh, what was WebMD at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah which is pretty cool. And uh, then I took a position uh, at uh, Sedona Corporation in Philadelphia to lead a team of developers to develop a new solution there, which we did, called Intarsia, and that, that was a, a financial market uh, type of product. And then from Philadelphia, finally back to oil and gas. Okay, so, <laughs> Took a little break. So I went from West Palm to to Lincoln, Nebraska, to Philadelphia, <laughs> uh, back to uh, Lafayette, Louisiana in 2001, and uh, went to work with uh, Fenstermaker and uh, in the uh, company. And then over time, you know, continued to build software, right, solving problems for the business. Right. Developed the patents and in, in that time frame as well. So with Total Land, I, I began uh, getting involved in Total Land in 2010. So it's been about seven years okay. uh, since I've been involved in that. Uh, almost eight, huh? About eight, yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost eight. It was late 2010, yeah, so uh, almost eight years. Yeah. Oh, I'm from Crowley, if you didn't know. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I love the culture in Louisiana. It's just awesome. Yeah, right? everybody's family. It really is. You know, you meet somebody, it was different. If you come from the Northeast, it's different, right? Right. I mean, everywhere is different, different cultures, but. That's like a different country. It's a different, I mean, it's like when you meet someone, they're hugging you, right? And it's yeah. Like if you're from the Northeast, that's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. But, hey, cuz. Hey, cuz. You know, everybody, everybody gets a hug the second time you meet them. You know? Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, tell me a little bit more about Fence to Maker. Did I say it right? Fence that's good. It. That's good. I'm close. Yeah, yeah I'm close. very close. Yeah. And, and Total Land. Yeah, so Fenstermaker uh, acquired Total Land as a su- as a subsidy mm-hmm. uh, in 2010, and uh, Fenstermaker has been around since 1950. So it's a company that's been around for quite a while. It started out as a small regional surveying company by C.H. Fenstermaker, who I got to know when I was when I was working uh, in the 80s in Lafayette, writing software for the oil companies. I had a chance to uh, to really get to know him. He was a really unique guy. He had an opportunity uh, to connect. I had an opportunity to connect with him. To he was like an early adopter. Yeah, but he was older, you know, he was maybe in his 60s uh, at the time. And, mm-hmm. and he uh, he loved technology. You know, he just loved it. And so the PC came out and he was trying to figure out how to do things on that PC, you know, for surveying and uh, doing uh, basic surveying uh, routines and closure routines like Crandall and Compass and different uh, surveying uh, methodologies. And so I had an opportunity to work with him to, um, to help him write some software. And so he was actually writing code on those early PCs in his 60s, which... Nobody even hardly was using PCs at the time. And, and uh, so I had a chance to really get to know him and, and uh, work with him and his son, Bill, who now is the CEO of the company. So the company evolved over the years from a surveying company. Um, it branched into um, uh, environmental mm-hmm. and had an environmental component to it and also uh, engineering. And so today it's made up of three primary pieces. And then a, another part of it is advanced technologies. And so in that area, we do some really interesting things like uh, laser scanning and using uh, drones and that type of thing for uh, for surveying and, and environment. I was going to ask if for surveying. Yeah, 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 it's a cool area. You know, it's, it's um, a neat technology area. And also underwater acoustics is another area. Oh, really? And I actually run that part of the company as well. Oh, neat. And so I wear a lot of hats. I, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> 
So I'm a CIO of the company, uh, vice president of IT, president of Total Land, and uh, and now in the last year or so, I've uh, begun to also run a division of acoustics, uh, underwater acoustics, which is fascinating, using sound underwater to take pictures. That's so and, awesome. And, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's a cool technology. So anyway, I do a lot of different things. I love Total Land. I think it's just a, you know, it's an awesome opportunity for us to uh, to help landmen, really. And that's our focus as a company, really, is to try to help them be more productive and efficiency and, and all of that is part of our mantra as a company. And, and we care about our, our landmen. You know, we really do. Yeah. Well, so if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? Well, I think, uh, I think, I think I would probably say to, uh, you know, to not give up. I think a lot of people may have a dream. You know, they have a big, uh, big idea, a big vision. And we spend a lot of time as a team, you know, talking about vision of the company, um, and also personally, you know, what, what's the vision of what you want to be? And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a hard question to answer. You know, what do you really want? You know, and so, uh, in Total Land, we do that. And, uh, this year we're going through that at the beginning of the year. You know, what do we want 2018 to be? But I, what I've seen in my my career is that uh, often people would give up too soon, you know. And why do you think that is? Well, I think it gets tough sometimes. You know, we just went through a, two years of a very tough market, you know. Yeah. And I've seen some people give up you know, because they had no choice, you know, and maybe. And but I also think that uh, you know, if you can find a way to hang on, you know, through those those downturns, that there's a, a better day coming. And so it's kind of a general uh, thing, I guess. But you know, just not giving up too soon. You know, and, and, uh, when it gets hard, I think that really tests the metal, you know, of, of who you are as a person, also your company, you know, is, you don't want to give up as a company so easily either. And so I think everybody goes through that. Companies go through that. And, and I've been involved in a, a number of different companies and, and, uh, I've seen cases where, uh, you know, I think it just gave up too soon. You know, if you could just stick it out, get through it and tough it out and, and there's a, there's a better day coming and to believe that, you know, and to get through it. So I guess my one piece of advice would be, uh, yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Great advice. What book would you say influenced you the most? Mm, that's a good question. Well, honestly, I'd say the Bible is you know, for me personally, you know, so mm-hmm. I mean, as a Christian, but beyond the Bible, uh, I am a, a, a big book reader. I like books. Uh, you know, there's been several books that I've read that I think um, have been really awesome. Uh, the book Good to Great is one that I always seem to refer to, you know, sometimes at our meetings and, and uh, we talk about, I don't know if you've read that book or not. No, uh, I haven't. It's a, it's a great book. It's really about how companies are good companies that went from a good company to a great company. And what are the common things, you know, between all of those companies that were able to transition from being good to great? Uh, you know, what are the common characteristics of that? Because I think, you know, as a company, you always want to grow. But do you want to be a great company or just a good company? You know, Mediocre. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Do you want to be great? Everybody wants to be great, right? (laughs) Right. And so, how do you do that? You know. So the book goes through a very detailed um, sort of explanation, analysis of uh, a number of different companies that made that transition and why. And so I use those analogies in the book uh, often. So good to great, you know, was one of my favorites. Uh, More recently, a book that's a little different. It's called The Answer. It's a a little different uh, view of of um, uh, really. it's, It's maybe more personal, but it's also business. Uh, it talks in the book about, you know, things like vision boards and different, you know, really having a vision that's very clear. And I, I like that because I think in business, uh, a lot of businesses just don't have a clear vision that everybody knows when you come to work every day. Does everybody understand what the vision is right. when they come to work? And uh, do they believe it? You know, do they believe can you can you achieve what that vision is? And so the book is uh, really kind of shaped around that idea of how to set 
goals and targets and, and um, what you want for your business or your personal life and, and uh, some ideas that are different on how to achieve that. And I think that's an interesting book. I've been reading that more recently. So, But there have been a number of business books like Good to Great that I, I really have enjoyed uh, in the past. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the answer is 42. Forty two is the answer. Yeah, that's it. It's everything, right? <laughs> right. 42. I just showed my geekery. Forty two. <laughs> oh well. So, what's your uh, most used business tool? You know, really, I, I think um, I wouldn't call it a, a tool in the sense of a, a traditional tool. I'd say reading. You know, reading books and uh, going back to books, right? So I think books, you know, this is something that uh, even my family does. Uh, as a family, we, we, uh, we, we read a lot of books and we, we do them often together as a family. And uh, I think the same applies for business. And so I think always trying to stay current. If, I mean, if you look at the, a lot of the most famous people in business today, if you ask them, they will all say the same things in many ways. And one of those things they will say is they read. Yeah. And they read a lot of books, right? They're trying to keep on. They're trying to keep current, trying to keep active. Or writing them. Or writing books, and often the case, which I think is awesome, too. Uh, in fact, my wife just is finishing a book right now. My son, he was 16, wrote his first book. Wow. Uh, called Keeping Your Eye on the Future by George Day. And that's about his story. And uh, he was uh, born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. And it was a story about his life, you know. And so uh, books, you know, books yeah. are, are really, really important uh, personally and in, in your business career, you know. Excellent. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Respected competitor. So, you know, we, uh, we're in a market, well, I think about total land, right? There, there's different hats I wear, like I said, so there's different competition. In the context of total land, you know, we have a handful of uh, competitors, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my competitors, you know. I know a lot of people do that, and they spend a lot of energy behind, okay, what are they doing and how are they shifting? Uh, I take a little different view of that. I think that um, in business, I think you should not ignore them, right, but you should focus on yourself and being the very best that you can be. And that's what I do with our business is I don't really pay attention too much about what a particular competitor is building or doing or, or trying to move into. And so... You know, we have we have a handful of competitors. It's not uh, a there. Are a lot of them are out on all, the floor. They're on the floor today, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, they're all good. They're all good, uh, and the companies are good. I think. And overall, you know, we have a common common theme and vision of of um, what we're trying to do. You know, to help this industry and to help landmen. And so, you know, Quorum is a, a company that I've kind of watched. You know, a little bit. And uh, I think they're a good company. They, they also have I Landman as a competitor of ours. We have Blue Tick, and we have uh, Land Boss, and some others. You know, and look, I think they're all good, good people, mm -hmm. and uh, and good. Because there's a certain amount of respect I have for all of them because we share a common desire, you know, a common interest to help others and help landmen. So I'm not sure there's a particular one, but I have a general respect for all of them. Awesome. That's that's great. Very humble. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you say is your most important lesson learned? Yeah, uh, lessons. And so, uh, you know, I think we all learn lessons, right? And so, oh, boy, uh, do we. And it's like I seem to learn probably more than my fair share. I actually think the uh, most important thing I've learned, I think, might be as far as a lesson goes, is that failure is a good thing. Yeah. And that seems weird, right? But No, uh, no, it makes complete uh, sense. I've learned more from my failures than I've ever learned from my successes. And so, and I try to drill that, that concept and idea, convey that to the team, because a lot of people are afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. And I actually think a mistake is not a bad thing at all. You know, and it's like we don't want to make mistakes and we never feel good when mistakes happen. Right. But we're going to make mistakes. And uh, there's someone that um, an author I like uh, in one of his books wrote. Uh, I'm not sure he was serious about this. I think it was. 
he said, when you hire somebody, he said, if, if you don't make a mistake in the first year of your employment with me, I will fire you. Whoa. And it's like, yeah, I think it was serious. And, and it's like, that's pretty, pretty brutal, right? But, but the idea that he's trying to convey there is that uh, do not be afraid to make a mistake. Well, in a way, it hinders your growth as a person. Um, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about giving up too early. It does. It does, you know. It correlates. And so I, I've, I've, you know, made my share of fear, fear of, uh, mistakes and uh, but I've learned from them and so if you don't have the fear of making a mistake I think what you'll find or what I find personally is that I'm uh, I'm not afraid to try something new I'm not afraid to, to push the envelope on an idea do something unusual with uh, the business to try some new angle realizing that we may fail but but in that desire of if you have no fear it can drive your business it can drive you to uh, levels that you you couldn't otherwise achieve what's your favorite podcast well, you know, of course, this one would be my favorite. Okay, <laughs> everybody right? says, you know, of course. <laughs> but uh, I will tell you that I do listen to um, some technology, like technology news today. Uh, there's some podcasts I listen to, but uh, I really like TED Talks. I, you know, the, the podcast and the videos. But uh, you know, TED Talks and the, the I like the podcasts that uh, offer me a way to learn and to grow. And I think that's common for everybody, right? We want to learn and grow. We listen to something or watch something. Yeah. And so there, there's a number of them, but uh, I think you guys do an awesome job. Honestly, you have a great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely appreciate that. Sure. <laughs> and so I uh, also want to let everybody know that if you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill, go to the, the show notes and a link will be provided for you to enter. And we give away $200 steak dinner every week, so be sure to sign up. As the relentless protectors of those that power the world, Bulwark is the leader, not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing globally. So once you've signed up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alan. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, If people want to reach out to you or get to know more about Total Land, how can they go about doing that? The best way is just to go to the website, you know, totalland.com, and uh, there's contact information there. You can reach a number of us uh, through the website, and uh, you can learn about us, too, if you're interested. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. That sounds great. That concludes this episode, so just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.